This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Father, I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. And Lord, give your people what they need to hear today. Lord, help me to speak your truth in love uh, with a life-giving spirit. And Lord, I just pray that you would just light upon, light upon the words that are spoken. I, I, I desire to speak your heart, Father God. So I humble myself before you. I've come to honor you today. We want to honor you in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said... Amen. I want to talk to you about continuing this series about the blessing of the Lord for the few minutes we have remaining. It's the second week. And we talked a little bit about the dealings of God on our life last week. And I, I, I want to touch on that, but I want to talk to you, kind of get into a little bit how God prunes us. I'm not certain I'll uh, finish this week. But uh, this was our verse last week we talked about in Luke 24, 30, 31. It said, it came to pass as Jesus sat at me with them and he took bread and he blessed it and he break it and he gave it to them and their eyes were open and they knew him and we talked about what does it truly mean to be blessed and we you know we can talk about financial blessing we can do a blessing in our health can i get an amen blessing in all aspects of our life you know you may not have much monetarily but if your kids are all serving jesus you are blessed you're blessed those are agonizing times that parents go through and they see their kids and maybe not wholeheartedly serving the Lord and they're believers and it's just agonizing. So you're, you're blessed. And so even as a parent in those situations, we can hang on to the promise of God and trust that God's word will not return void. Okay. And we declare that we declare that, but it says that this was on the road to Emmaus and, and just quickly as a recap here, uh, Jesus, they didn't know these two disciples who he was. They're walking on this road. Jesus kind of comes into the conversation and, you know, they're like, what? Where have you been? And the next thing you know, he's invited to their house and he goes to their home. And this is the scenario right here. They still didn't know who he was, but I just noticed some things. The Bible says, Jesus sat at meet with them. Now, what he's about to do to break this bread is, is, is kind of unusual because usually the master of the house or the head of the house was the one set aside to do that, nobody else, especially not a guest. We kind of like if someone you invited someone over your house and they kind of just sat at the head of the table uh, and you didn't seat them there, they just sat at the head and then they just said, excuse me, I have a speech to make. And wait a minute, you're a guest. This is what Jesus did. And so at first they probably wondered, what is this guy doing? You know, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. And we we're talking to him and now we invite him in for dinner and he's sitting there and he's breaking bread and only that is reserved for the, the master of the house. Who does he think he is? Well, how many know Jesus knows who he is? Amen. And so Jesus was their guest, but he acted, watch this, as the master of the home, which Jesus is Lord. Amen. And they still didn't notice him. So even though he's in this, breaking this bread, you know, blessing it, breaking it, they still didn't recognize him at that moment. You know, that's, I believe, a spiritual picture in our own life. How many of you know bread is symbolic of provision? 
It's symbolic of the blessings of the Lord, which God blesses him. And how many know that God wants us blessed? He blesses the bread. He, bless, he blesses. So the blessing of God, God wants us richly blessed. He doesn't want you, you know, broke down and, you know, downtrodden all the time and not seeing breakthroughs. I and mean, we go through times and seasons, but he wants us blessed. But immediately after he blesses the bread, what does he do? He breaks it. And we said last week that um, and uh, that's how we become to know God, that God's blessings are intrinsically tied up is, is when we're broken in our soul, we're broken in our life. And it says immediately that their eyes were open. So they understood, they knew Jesus in a different facet. They understood Jesus in a different way. And how many, knew, how many of you walking in your faith over the decades, some of you have been saved for decades, know a little bit more about the Lord more than what you did when you were first saved? But usually you go through some stuff, isn't that right? Difficult stuff, agonizing things that, that the enemy brings into our life and just, just living on this planet. And so the so Bible says that they knew him. And, and, and this is the thing that just really frustrates me. It, if I could say it that way about, like, come on, Jesus. He, they Immediately they understood what he did and then they saw him and, and then he disappears. Isn't that just like God? It's like a miracle showing up or something. It's like, stay there. Stay for a little bit. Like, oh, man, tell me more. I'm gone. And the thing that we have to recognize as Christians, watch this, is that there's, Jesus is wanting to bless, break and bless things in our life, but we don't recognize it. We don't recognize what's going on. We can't see him. And, but he's still the master of the house. Amen. He still can do what he wants to do. And he's wanting to bless us. And so I said this, that it's in the breakings of life that we recognize Christ, our master, his presence, and those true blessings. And we, we understand God in a richer way when we go through these difficulties and we just commit those things to him. Can you say amen? So that was enough of that. Quickly, uh, John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay joined to me, which King James says abide, and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruit. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, do you want to produce fruit, spiritual fruit for God? Do you want to be... See, how many of you know at the end of your life, the last thing you want to say is, whatever profession that you're in, that's all that you did. And, and, and God bless every profession. How many hear what I'm trying to say? But how many of you know that, that the things that are eternal are spiritual things? It isn't that, you know what, if I was an excavator, and God bless excavators, we need excavators, good ones, amen? But you, you want to say, well, you moved a lot of dirt in my life. Amen. Thank you. How many hear what I'm saying? You know what? Or, you know, if it's contracting or an executive or sold a lot of gadgets and widgets, well, you know, made a lot of money. Okay, that's nice. We want things to have, at your deathbed, and the deathbeds I've been at is eternal things. What, what's lasting, what, you know, and, and sadly, I've been a, a, a few that there's not much there. Not much there to, 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 that was eternal, that was lasting, that was spiritual. So John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, here's the thing. It says, you cannot do anything without me. Let me just interject. There's a lot you can do without God. Amen, Pastor Mike. I mean, did you get up and get dressed, drive in your car? Did you have to pray to start it? Oh, Jesus, I, some of you might have, but <laughs> that jalopy, you know, you know. <laughs> it's going, it's going, you know, and the husband's holding the hood. And I remember those days with carburetors. How many remember, know what carburetors are? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you remember those. <clears throat> but, but, but really, I mean, you don't have to praise out. You put your shoes, socks on, brush your teeth. You don't have to pray. Oh, God, help me brush my teeth. Well, some of you might need help doing that. But the point is, is there's a lot you can do without God. But it's not eternal. It's not lasting. That's what we're talking about. And, and, and at the end of our life, as I said, is we want things that are eternal, lasting. My brothers and sisters, I'm trying to pass to you right now. This is gold. Trying to lay gold at your feet so you don't have regrets then. Amen? Uh, you know, it's like, ha, ah, if you bristle here this morning, that's okay. I, it, you know, I want, I'm laying gold before your feet for my own life. A life that was worth living is a life that lives for Christ and Christ alone. Can I get an amen? If you abide, we said this, if you abide in him, there's a contingency on that because our flesh doesn't want to abide all the time. Can I get an amen? When we're unhappy, the job didn't turn out what we thought it was. The opportunity didn't break through. Cars breaking down. Problems with this. Marriage situations. Kids situations. Go on and on. Business situations. Dealing with comrades and people and constituents. And, and, and I said this, that if, we, if you can at times stay happy, hear me. If you can shed tears. And you can still come to church and raise your hand and say, God, I don't understand it, but you are God. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, what I'm reading, what I'm studying, what I'm hearing, and there's contrary things and winds that are tossing me to and fro. But if, if you could go through difficult times and you can still say, you are God, you will be blessed and you will bear much fruit. Amen? You will be blessed and you will bear much fruit. So, John 15, 1 to 2. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. I just want you to just circle that or underline that or just take note of that. So Jesus is the grapevine, or if you could say that he's the, the main trunk. But it says the father, I just find this interesting, is the gardener. And this is what the father does. He walks around, he looks, he goes, this tree isn't doing anything. Cut it, throw it down, throw it out, cast it aside. But this branch has got all these stuff and it needs pruning, so I'm going to clip it. That, that's what it's saying. We, we, th these aren't popular messages. I know national television, you wouldn't hear people, hoorah, but it's in the Bible. And we need to hear it. The gardener, the father, walks around going, are you producing any fruit? Is there any fruit in your life? You're not. Because really, you're ballast. You're kindling for a fire is what, you know. He cuts it down. What are you saying? He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And at least you think it's sinners. He's saying every branch of mine. Can I get an amen? Now, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation. We're not talking about that. He's just saying, how many know that you could be a believer and kind of be, I look, kind of look, put it like a little bobblehead, you know, those on the car, you know, and they have, yeah, yeah. You just become a bobblehead on God's shelf. Here I am, Jesus. And he's like, I can't use you because you don't produce any fruit in your life. There's nothing bearing. You profess my name, say you know me, but there is no outgrowth. You just, just stay right. I love you. I love you. I love you. But you are no value to me. Oh, can I get an amen here this morning? <laughs> and, and, and so I see you. I see you. But you're just... Going nowhere, doing nothing, not bearing anything. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad this Mother's Day you came to church? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't know. That's going to probably take off. 
So someone would say this. He's like, well, I mean, I don't want to be one of those branches that gets cut off and set aside. But, but Pastor Mike, if I'm growing and I'm becoming more like him, I mean, is God still going to prune me? Is, is he going to trim my life? I mean, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm trying to be obedient to the best of my knowledge and ability to do everything right. Yes, you're still going to be pruned. Sorry, just the way it is. And that was a frustrating thing in my life because I thought if I, as a believer, I just pray, I seek, I read, I do all the things where, you know, out of a heart of gratitude you want to do, and you're pursuing, life would be easy. You look at everybody else and go, <laughs> you people, you're all a mess. I'm so blessed. <laughs> you're all, even the obedient ones. See, see, let me just say this, this Greek word about pruning here. Uh, you actually, God is, if you're faithfully following the Lord, God, the gardener, the heavenly father will prune us. And pruning is good. Let me say that again. Pruning is good. It's better to be pruned than to be cut off. Amen? And how many know pruning, if the tree could speak, it would hurt? I mean, what are you doing here? It's like, what does it feel? It's a tree. Pruning hurts. It, it's, it's, but but it, it's important because it, it's going to bear greater fruit. It's going to be stronger. How many with me say amen? So you don't have to be doing something wrong to be pruned. You're doing something right. So does that mean you feel, what's going on? My life's spinning out of control, whatever. No, it's not. No, it's not. Don't worry. Be happy. God's got your back. He's just pruning you. So don't let the enemy beat you up. Do you know, let me say that again. Don't let the enemy beat you up that somehow all the prayers you're praying, you want this breakthrough to happen, This uh, that you don't see that and thinking that I must be doing something wrong. No, God may be just pruning you for greater fruit. Greater fruit. How many with me? Say amen. So it's better to be cut back than to be cut off. Praise God. So quickly, how does God prune us? Let's see how far we can get here this morning. Well, I would say the priority way is his word. Somebody shout his word. That is the Bible, God's word. The scripture says in um, John 15, 3, Jesus said this. He said, the word of God, whoops, Hebrews 4, 12, jumped back, skipped a little bit. Uh, maybe I got that out of sync. I do, I do have that out of sync. So let me just read it to you. John 15, 3. Jesus says, you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I had given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. What is that saying? That's saying this Bible, the word of God has a cleansing, watch us now, effect on our life like no other book. You can read Christian books. They're good. They have scriptures in them. They're good. But there's something about the word of God alone. Whatever translation you like is fine. I am not some of, there's a teaching around here that unless you got King James and you speak in thousand these, hooey, the word of God, all right? Some of you now on your tablets, you have, you know, 26 translations of one verse there. That's wonderful. It's the word of God. Okay? It's the word of God. But it, it's Jesus is saying that you're cleansed and pruned by my word. And here's the thing. If you ignore this word, this is ABC stuff. If you ignore this word and you just kind of put it on the shelf and all you hear is maybe 22 minutes or 28 minutes on a Sunday morning, you are starving. You're starving. 
Every single one of us needs a good dose of the word every day. I do. I do. I make a point. I do. So if you're not, and it's, if it's okay if it's convicted you in love here, this wonderful, beautiful Mother's Day, that you're going, oh, God. You know what? There's maybe some things that we need to cut out to cut in his word. Because the benefit of it is, is that, that we are going to be blessed. It talks about how that word cleanses us. It prunes us. How many with me say amen? So, oh, that's good stuff. Uh, that Greek word prune means katheiro. And it actually means to make clean by purging, removing undesirable elements. Listen, my brothers and sisters, you can't clean yourself up. You can't. You, you can hunker down. You can have self-determination and a strong will. And you can break things. People break habits. They overcome. And, and, that, and that's good. That's, 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 that, that's, God's given you that. But to overcome sin, you need God. You need God. And you need his word in your life. Can I get an Amen. And so actually that word prune actually means to eliminate what is fruitless, watch this, by purifying. It actually has a connotation of means stuff that's mixed, mixed. You know, the Bible talks about mixture, and it talks about how the children of Israel had mixture in their ranks. And, and, and so, so metaphorically, it actually means to, to, to remove guilt, to, to remove filth and impurity. Wow. And it uses the illustrations of trees and vines and, and useless shoots. It's actually what it means when he says that he prunes us. God is, God's pruning process removes guilt. God's pruning process removes filth and impurity in our life. That is why we need a daily dose of the word. And here's the thing. You can hear what I just said right there in this broken vessel, and you can make a decision and go, well... It's good, yeah. I'm going to get around to it. I just want to challenge you all. Make time for God's word. If you're not a morning person, fine. Do it at 2 a.m. If you're up that late, bright eye and drinking coffee, great. Make time for God's word. Okay? Said that with a smile. Amen. <clears throat> His word prunes us. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Powerful. That's how powerful his word is. That's why leaders of nations have tried to destroy and burn Bibles. It's like, it's just a book. If it's just a book, burn it. They can get rid of it. And they couldn't. It's God's word. It's God's, it's actually, when you, I've said this before, when we talk about in, in, in uh, Ephesians 6, and it talks about the armor of God, it talks about the belt of truth, that belt of truth, that's the one piece of armament that we can actually physically touch here, came from heaven. Can you, can you see the helmet of salvation? Anyone, I didn't see anybody walk, but in the spirit, you have a helmet. You're saved. Can, can you see the breastplate of righteousness on you? No, I, I don't see that. I can't touch it, but we're made into him wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. Amen? How about those shoes of the gospel of peace? You're born again. I don't see those shoes on any of you. But what I do see here today in the natural is the Bible. That is the belt of truth. So this came from the supernatural spiritual realm into the natural realm. That's powerful. He did that for a reason. We could all had swords running around, you know. No, he's like, you need the whole counsel, the whole truth of God. Amen? All right, let me just speed it up here. So, so through his word, and I'm, uh, I'm exalting the word here today and its importance in our life, 
God shows us where we miss it. I know Oprah's off with her show. Now she has her own channel, but she is not going to help you to know the truth, to set you free. Okay? okay? I know that meant hard for some of you. It's Jesus, His Word. God's Word, okay? And so God's Word shows us where we miss it. So if we don't have a daily dose of His Word in some form or fashion, how many of you know we could not know? How, how many of you know that, it, you know, there's been, I've traveled out this world and uh, about uh, over 10 nations and and there's the ways people do things and the way they act and they live their life. And, and I just think that's so unbiblical because I knew. But they, this, in, in, in a state of deception, a deception. And so, so God's word shows us we have missed it so that we can begin to live in a way that truly pleases him. How many of you want to please God with your life? Amen? So the only way we're going to please God with our life, I know this is real simplistic, is to get his word in our life on a daily basis, okay? And so instead of turning on KXRA or, or whatever, wow, she left me for whoever country twang or rock or whatever, your 50s, you know, whatever. I'm not against, I got a couple of songs once in a while I turn around and I run around, my kids think I'm nuts, you know? Get the word. Get worship in you, amen? Is that helping Zach with his car yesterday and, and we're struggling with the serpentine belt, wasn't going on, and it's just frustrated. And Zach goes, I had to worship music on, Dad, so you wouldn't lose it. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, son. God bless you. Does it really, is it really that bad? Is that really how I act? Well, so worship will help you along the way. Amen. <laughs> so, but watch this. But not abiding in his word or just knowing about it or hearing it, what happens is, well, watch this, I'm going to get into something here, it may seem heavy, but I don't mean it to be, we can become self-deceived. Self-deceived. I, I know. You think, you know, a you, you, certain way. And we do things that get us in trouble. I said, we do things that get us in trouble, and we wonder why. We wonder why. Amen? <laughs> well, Jesus, why? But wait a minute, we're self-deceived, because I already addressed that in my word. I gave you armaments. I gave you wisdom how to handle and orchestrate your life. If you're not going to heed that, I, I love you, but yeah. there you are. So, so, so let me just give you just an example. There's numerous examples, but this, I don't you know, mean to go to the juggler here, but one thing that I find is alarming is, is professing Christians shacking up. Amen, Pastor Mike, preach the truth. Okay? More and more couples are choosing to move in together before marriage. And one reason, and I put the word self-deception, is some people say, well, we want to save on rent. You know, we've got it's expensive out there, apartments that we've got too. You know, saving on rent is not a valid reason to live with someone who may or may not become your spouse. Can I get an amen? And so, in fact, it is really a bad reason in decision. You know, the stats show it, and some will say, well, stats show otherwise that, you know, you need to get to go. That was one of the things when I was in the Marine Corps that I got harassed about because I was a, I was a virgin I, I was, uh, while well, I was in the Marine Corps. Now, I'm not talking Boy Scouts, Marines, okay? And you talk about I caught a lot of down-below stuff, okay? 
I got a lot of it from, you know, laughing and, you know, like, oh, how are you going to know? You got to test ride. You got to try it out. I mean, how do you know you're not compatible, whatever? I said, you know what? I'm going to trust God to do it his way that he's going to give me the right woman for me. And he sure did. Dr. Laura, maybe you heard her. She goes straight to the juggler. This lady, she's tough. She says this, couples who shack up before marriage are more likely to divorce, experience domestic violence, have sexual and emotional problems, being involved in affairs. Yet regardless of the statistics, people continue to do it. And what is so alarming is professing Christians. The myth, she goes on to say, couples used to justify shacking up is that by living together before marriage, they can test drive the car, have a more satisfying and longer lasting marriage, but just the opposite is true. She says people shacking up because they are skittish about commitment and therefore more likely to call it quits when problems arise. Just uh, Christian statistics here about shacking up here. I put them all up. Why is it a bad idea? I'm going to go through them real quickly. No blessings from God. I want to be blessed. I want that new job. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, I'm praying for this, that, that. There you are. Because we're self-deceived. Come on, Pastor Mike, preach. When we self-deceive ourselves and we want, we want God's blessing, but there are no blessings. 1 Corinthians 6 says this. It says that flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And he goes on to say, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit with whom you have from God? And you're not your own. He goes on to say, you were bought with a price. So he says, glorify God with your body. Amen? Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, goes on and lists all of these things, drunkenness, envy, divisions, and all things alike, which he says, I have warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to inherit that kingdom, everything that he has here on earth for me. Amen? And second thing is your relationship will probably end. And that I can say from experience and being involved in situations firsthand. I can say that. Say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? There was an article on living together before marriage. They said 80% of shacking up relationships end before marriage, either in divorce or after marriage, they get divorced. So it's this 80-20 against you getting married or staying married to that person. And it goes on to say the stats. And one reason is because there is not a commitment when you move in before marriage. A relationship without commitment will not last. And marriage is the biggest commitment you can make in life. Number three, your children will be negatively affected. Fact. To the parents who have children, your kids are three times, the stat goes on to say, more likely to be expelled from school or get pregnant. Five times more likely to live in poverty. 22 times more likely to be incarcerated, all because you chose to live with someone you're not married to. Somebody say, preach, Pastor Mike, because you're doing really good. That's what I thought. I'm almost done. And then number five, for the guys, mostly it makes you lazy. As a married man, I know that once the dating ends, how many know the relationship changes? Okay, I'm just looking straight forward on that one. Yes, living together removes the big, you know, the being your best part of the relationship. You look good, hair's comb. Wow, he just looks awesome. It's kind of like most job interviews. You wore the suit to the interview, dressed up. Wow, 
But once you're hired, you show up in khakis and a polo. Amen. If you're living with a man or a woman and getting some of the benefits of marriage, having someone help around the house, sharing the bills, you get lazy. Lazy about taking the next step in the relationship. You keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Hey. And so once again, getting back to what we're talking about. God shows us where we miss it in the word. But here's the thing. Through his word, but we need to respond in obedience. Somebody shout obedience. That's not easy at times. That's hard. It's hard. It's very hard at times. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to do the will of God. We have no excuse as believers. If you're not a Christian and you're just a victim to the circumstances, as Curly would say on the Three Stooges, but, but as a Christian, you're not. Amen? You're not. So another thing, as we read and think on his word, his word has a cleansing power, as I've shared, a cleansing power that works in us and that, that purges us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, somebody shout all, is inspired by God. And that's the thing, this society and with evolution and uh, secularism and relativism, they just come to pound you constantly that you can't trust this word. They try to bring out, you know, contradictions and really, you know, there's a thousand and one books out there on it. A thousand and one contradictions. Yeah, in the faith, it may look like a contradiction, but start digging deep. What was the context of it? And you begin to find out, okay, it really wasn't a contradiction. Amen. That's how the enemy, he wants to undermine the word of God. So you minimize it. And what happens? You become self-deceived. Because if it's something you can't trust, why read it? It's a waste of time. That's how the enemy works. And so, <clears throat> so God gave us his word. And his word has a purifying effect on our life. And very quickly, as we conclude here, is that how does God prune us on a funnier note? Our relationships with others. Our relationships with others. How many of you know that uh, people can be fruit testers? Amen? Um, <laughs> and and, and so, so God puts those people, those fruit testers, in our life. And uh, he wants to make sure that we're producing the right fruit. Uh, one, one way I like to call that, the local church and church family. And, and he puts people in our life that, that at times rubs us the wrong way, but that's a good thing. And he's created people with all different types of personalities. There's people that are strong-willed and people that are meek and mild. And, and he puts them all together as like a big hodgepodge of this spiritual fruit salad, if I could say it that way. But, but it's as we interact with each other that the true fruit is produced or the lack thereof is exposed. Amen. You know, there are two spiritual beings that are trying to kill us. Number one, Satan comes, the Bible says, as a thief. To kill, steal, and destroy for your harm. He comes to destroy God's plan and purpose for your life. God has a plan for every single person. He has a destination for that. That doesn't mean you're going to you know, conquer the whole world and you know, this grandiose, but he does have a plan. He does have something. And the enemy wants to get you self-deceived so you don't trust the word of God. You take things in your own hand. Amen, Pastor Mike. And we begin to... We get self-deceived, and, and we, we, we don't fulfill the purpose and plan of God in our life because of what the enemy has done. The second person that's trying to kill you is God. But he is, yeah, amen, amen. God comes to kill our carnal and fleshly ways. Amen. That's, that's what he comes for. And, 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 you know, we can experience 
Why? As that happens, we experience his resurrection power. That kind of death for our lives is good for us. It's good for us, church. Stand with me if you would, please. Paul said in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live in the place. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, when I think about this verse, it's saying that Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, have been. Because of that, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the part God wants for us. Amen? Not only I who live, it doesn't mean God takes over and you can't even think. No, that just every decision, every thought in, in, that, that you're, you're bringing Christ involved in that and you're bringing him more and more in every decision of your walk of life. As we do it, you live for him more. See, the older I get, the more I say, I know nothing. I mean that. I, I, I know nothing. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, it's just false humility. I know nothing. And the older I get, the more I need him. I need him more and more each day. And so this flesh, it wants to hang on to me, myself, and I. But I recognize I need him more each day. Every head bowed, please. Romans 6, 11 says, Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin and your relationships to it broken. Consider yourself, or the King James says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. But Pastor Mike, it rises up now and then. And you know what? That's where cleansing power of God and forgiveness comes in. That's where we can be re reunited and renewed in Christ. Just a prayer away. But we have a role to play to take us off of the shelf as that bobblehead, as we reckon. So you know what? I've given into this way too long. I need your power, God, to help reckon this thing dead. Every time I am in a conversation with someone, I, I misconstrue the truth and I lie. But it's just something that I've done my whole life. I bloviate, I this, whatever the fruit of the flesh it may be. God says, reckon. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. God wants to cut off some stuff here this morning. He wants to cut off some relationships that are alive to sin and become alive to God. And it goes on to say, an unbroken fellowship with him. That's what he desires, to walk, to talk, to commune with us. In that state, we are blessed. In that state, we produce fruit. In that state, we are the hands and the feet in the mouth of Jesus. Let's not be the branch cut off, cast aside on the shelf. Let's take steps here this morning to be alive to God. Amen. You're here this morning, maybe watching by television or maybe here in the audience here, and you've said, Pastor, I, I've been alive to sin and not to Christ. And I ask God for his power and strength to help me. If that's you, You've never given your heart to Christ or you're slid back or you're not following him or you've allowed self-deception. See, Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've allowed self-deception to deceive you. and You want to be free from that. Let's pray together as we pray corporately. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me.
Wash me clean. I want to be alive to you, to your word. I want to have unbroken fellowship with Jesus. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I want to invite the altar workers to come forward. And this sermon's kind of taken a, a direction. I sense God is, is dealing with some people. It's Mother's Day. We're early. It's before noon. If you want to just take a few minutes, I want to encourage you to maybe just respond. Seek prayer. Maybe it's for couples. You just need a blessing over your marriage. Or maybe as a couple, you're praying for a circumstance, a situation. You need a prayer of agreement. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But these are safe people here. These are prayed up people here. They're here for you. You don't have to bolt out of here. Take a few moments. Receive ministry. Father, I bless the people of God. I just thank you for your word. So shall your word go forth. It shall accomplish word to ascent, and it shall prosper. Lord, I pray not a hardening, but a softening of the hearts of the people. And whoever may hear this message, if this CD or this uh, podcast is passed along, Lord, let it bring victory to someone's life. Let it bring deliverance. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you. You're dismissed this morning. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.